All right, everybody, here we are today in the book of John. We are on chapter 18. We are coming close to Easter. John 18 records for us the betrayal of Judas Iscariot in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's where Judas seals his fate and his name goes down in infamy forever. So often we look at chapter 18, the book of John, and we focus on Judas. But there were six other groups, six other decisions that were being made at the same time, not by Judas, but by those who were around. And I think that if we look at these six decisions, we might find them in our own lives. We know what Judas did, but let's look at us in our relationship to Jesus and see if we make some of these same decisions. John chapter 18, we're going to begin in verse 7. Verse 7, realize this, some people make rash choices. John 18 verse 7, then he asked them again, who is it you are looking for? Jesus the Nazarene, they said. I told you I am he. Jesus replied, so if you're looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the words he had said, I have not lost one of those you have given me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. At that, Jesus said to Peter, sheathe your sword. Am I not to drink the father has given me? Am I not to drink the cup the Father has given me? Then the company of soldiers, the commander, and the Jewish temple police arrested Jesus and tied him up. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was advantageous that one man should die for the people. Rash Choices I think we can all find in ourselves times when we've made rash choices or said things in a hot temper or maybe blurted things out that weren't exactly appropriate at the time. We've all been in situations where we were not prepared and we made a rash choice. Jesus has been telling them again and again and again, I am going to go to Jerusalem. I am going to be taken. I am going to be crucified. I'm going to die and I'm going to come again. But they just weren't listening. Simon Peter finds himself in this situation, and he says, they're coming to seize Jesus. Let me draw out this sword, and maybe I can stop this from happening, even though Jesus said it's going to happen. Consider Luke 22, 49 through 51, the same story through different eyes. And when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. The healing of Malchus shows just how much the compassion of Jesus overrode anything else. He's been betrayed by Judas, one of his 12. He is going to be seized. He's going to be killed. And yet he sees a man suffering, a man in agony, a man who is just the servant of the high priest in the temple in Jerusalem. Yet he sees him and has compassion on him. Sometimes if we see with compassion, we don't react as quickly. It seems that today everyone's temper is short. Everyone's temper is is just not there. We've all sort of been caught up in this whole frenzy of the COVID-19 bacteria. Uh, You go to the stores and there's no There's no food, there's no toilet paper, there's no water, there's no medicine, there's nothing. And it's very, very frustrating, very aggravating. And a lot of people are acting out and speaking out. 
But we as God's people should know the Lord has our back. The Lord's going to be with us. We don't have to panic. We can be calm because there will be enough for us because the Lord will make sure that there's enough for us. We can avoid those rash decisions that make us look like impetuous people. If Peter had just stopped and listened, just allowed what was going to happen to happen, then things would have gone much better for Jesus and definitely much better for Malchus. But also, there were some people at this time who made daring choices, daring choices. John chapter 18, verse 15. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was following Jesus, as was another disciple. That disciple was an acquaintance of the high priest, so he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. Here's a shocker. One of the disciples was known to the high priest at that time. We know from the place of the account, we know from the history, that this was probably John of James and John, the the sons of Zebedee, because their father was wealthy. Their father was a fisherman. In fact, when James and John left their father in the boats, he left him with the hired men, the hired servants. That means that he had enough money, not only for his sons and his family, but to hire other men to help him, to fill out the other boats. So we know that because of this wealth, that uh, John was known to the high priest of the day. That's why he could walk in with Jesus, not side by side, not right there saying, this is my friend, this is my teacher, but he walked in and was able to be present. Now, Peter, not being known to the high priest, not being a man of prestige, was forced to stand outside by the fires. But we're going to get to that in a minute. Sometimes, because of who we are, sometimes because of who we know, we have a chance to walk into a situation and say the right thing, say an appropriate thing. Now, we don't see anyone questioning John the way they will later question Peter. But we all have chances to answer those questions. Where is God? What is God doing in the midst of all of this? Well, he is in heaven waiting for people to cry out to him. He is in heaven, concerned and loving. But as always, God is not going to force us to do something that we don't want to do. He's not going to force us to pray. He's not going to force us to seek his face. But when we do seek his face, when we do cry out, he does answer. And that's the most important thing that we can say to ourselves and say to other people, God is there. He is not distant. John went into a possibly dangerous situation, even though he knew the high priest. If somebody wanted to push the point of him being a disciple, it might have been an uncomfortable moment. But he took that chance and went with Jesus. Perhaps Jesus even looked over, gave him a glance at at one point or another, and John was able to give him an encouraging look to, to bolster his spirits. Now, that's not recorded, but the only place you'll find this in the Bible is in the book of John because John was the one who went into that inner room. So some people, they make rash choices. They react before they think, they react before they understand the situation. Other people make daring choices. They take that opportunity, they take those acquaintances, they take those situations, and they do what they can do at the moment. But there are other people who make fearful choices. This one we're very well aware of because we've seen it and talked about it so many times. John 18, 16. But Peter remained standing outside by the door. So the other disciple, the one known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the girl who was the doorkeeper and brought Peter in. So he's way outside the door. And then John says, hey, that's, that's kind of a buddy of mine. Why don't you let him come in? 
You see, it is said that in Israel, the, the nights were unbearably cold. And so to stand outside of the door was to be in the wind where it was uncomfortable. But we're going to find out in a minute that it was more comfortable inside for a very special reason. Then the slave girl who was the doorkeeper said to Peter, You, oh, so you aren't one of these man's disciples. Then the slave girl who was the doorkeeper said to Peter, You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? He said, I am not. He said, Now the slaves and the temple police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. They were standing there warming themselves, and Peter was standing with them warming himself. Aha, you see, inside of the, the, the door, inside of that barrier, they had built a small fire on the pavement. And the fire was all they needed to take the cool of the evening off. Well, here, this girl has allowed Peter to come in because John has spoken to her. But then in seeing him come in, she says, I know you. Aren't you one of that guy's disciples? I mean, aren't you one of his disciples too? Meaning maybe she knew that John was, but she recognized that maybe this is their connection. They're both disciples of Jesus. She's not accusing him or pointing a finger. She's not posing a danger, but Peter is now fearful. He is inside the doors. He's inside the residence of the high priest. And so that makes him very nervous. So when they came and they talked to him, he was very scared. Now think about this. Peter, uh, Jesus had told Peter that you will deny me three times. This is the first. Peter will go on to deny him two more times. And then it says that the rooster crows and Peter wept because he realized the prophecy of Jesus was fulfilled. And that's something that we all have to worry about. We all have to worry about being in those moments where people say things to us. Not so much, oh, are, you aren't a Christian, are you? But they say things like, well, you're a Christian. How can you believe in a God who would cause a COVID-19 virus? Or how can you say you believe in God when there's so much death and suffering going on around the world, when people are losing jobs, when stores are being closed, restaurants are being closed, people are put on unemployment. How can you believe in a God like that? And that's where we have to say, you know what? I may not understand everything that's going on in the world, but I understand that God loves us. I understand that a lot of the things going on in the world, we brought on ourselves. Adam and Eve got themselves thrown out of the Garden of Eden. And when they did, they got thrown into a world that was harsh and not as comfortable as the Garden. And when they got out there, there were diseases and there was death and there was suffering. And, and all these things were going on because they chose to disobey God. And God had to put them outside of that place of protection. And God still leaves us out there. He leaves us out in a world that we have made, a world full of diseases, a world full of suffering, because we are greedy, we are selfish. We choose to do things that God has told us never to do. We brought this destruction on ourselves, but still God is there. Well, like, like that fire, like that fire that Peter gathered around, there was warmth there. There was some comfort there. So God is always willing to comfort those who will turn to him, who will come to him. And that's the important thing for us to remember. But you know what? Some people, when it comes to making critical choices in life, they just pass the buck. They just pass the buck. John 18, 19. The high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus answered him. I have always taught in the synagogue and in the temple complex, where all the Jews congregate, and I haven't spoken anything in secret. This is important because Jesus is saying, look, 
I am not trying to start a mess. I'm not trying to start a revolution. I'm speaking openly. All of you have heard everything I've said. There's no, no secrets to dig up. There's no secret teachings for you to ask about. He says, why do you question me? Question those who heard what I told them. Look, they know what I said. When he said these things, one of the temple police standing by slapped Jesus, saying, is this the way that you answer the high priest? Now, first of all, for a temple police to slap somebody in the presence of an official of Israel was against the law. You could not assault a man. You could not slap a man or beat a man. It was against the law. Plus, Jesus was seized at night. It was against the law to hold a trial at night. And Caiaphas is actually, sorry, Annas is actually questioning him in a legal fashion about things he's done. So Annas, first of all, is not the high priest. Now, if you read the history books, Annas was the high priest before Caiaphas, who was his son-in-law. So in the past, he had been the high priest. In the same way that we would say to, to one of our former presidents, Mr. President, out of respect for the job that they had in the past, they referred to Annas as the high priest, even though he no longer officially held that title. So they questioned him illegally at night. And the police slapped him around because they didn't like the way he was talking. And both of these things were not right. They would have been decried by the Sanhedrin if they found out what was going on. That's why this was done at night. It was done quietly, secretively, because they didn't want to see what was happening. They didn't want to be held responsible for making these choices. Now, Jesus says this, If I have spoken wrongly, Jesus answered him, give evidence about the wrong. But if rightly, why do you hit me? Then Annas said to him, then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. This is what I mean by people pass the buck. Annas was not supposed to be questioning him. He was not the high priest. It was not his job. But he had held the position in the past, and as such, he was stepping into his son-in-law's shoes and was trying to find some evidence against Jesus. Now we've read in the past that they sought Jesus, they sought to find him, to kill him, to find some grounds to kill him. And so this is just a, a, a continuation of that effort. So Annas is trying to do this to make his son-in-law's job easier, but it's not his responsibility, it's not his right. And then when Jesus shuts him down, when Jesus gives him no reason for what he's doing, then of course he sends him tied up to Caiaphas the high priest. He passes the buck. A lot of times people do that. They come face to face with the claims of who Jesus Christ is, with the claims of who God is and what God expects and what God would want from us in our day and age. And because they can't deal with it, they can't refute it, they can't turn it away, they pass the buck and they push the decision onto somebody else. They push it onto a professional, to a scientist, or to somebody that they think will have a better chance of answering these questions. In the real world, we all must decide who Jesus is, and we can't pass it off to somebody else because we are responsible for that choice. But you're also going to see later in John 18, 28, that some people will question, but they never choose. They will not choose. John 18, 28. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They did not enter the headquarters themselves, otherwise they would be defiled and unable to eat the Passover. Remember, you can't enter the house of a Gentile because it makes you ritually unclean until that night. 
So they, they could go outside, but they could not go into the house. They answered him, if this man weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. I'm sorry. Verse 20, then Pilate came out to them and said, what charge do you bring against this man? They answered him, if this man weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. Which is a way of saying, we really don't have a charge, but we want you to find him guilty of something because we can't do it. So Pilate told them, take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. It's not legal for us to put anyone to death, the, the Jews declared. Now this was true to an extent. There were still people who were put to death under the Jewish law, but they were put to death in the way that was common, which was to be stoned in a pit, to have rocks thrown, or something else. When they brought the woman out to Jesus, who was caught in the midst of adultery, they were ready to stone her. Now, if it wasn't legal, why were they going to do that? See, what they're doing is they're still passing the buck. They want somebody else to execute Jesus. They want somebody else to take care of their problem because they just don't know how to do it. So it's not legal for us to put anyone to death, the Jews declared. They said this so that Jesus' words might be fulfilled, signifying what kind of death he was going to die. Remember Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Meaning if I am put up on a cross, if I am crucified in public, where everybody can see me, my death will draw people to me because my death is the only way to satisfy the justice of God. Jesus had to be crucified and the Jews themselves could not do it. They could not do a crucifixion. And also these Jews did not want to be guilty of his blood because I believe they knew he was innocent. He was innocent of everything that they had charged him with, but they needed someone who didn't care. Pontius Pilate had a reputation for not caring. He had a reputation for being brutal. He had a reputation for killing as many people as he could or as he wanted to or as he needed to. Then Pilate went back into the headquarters, summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you asking this on your own or have others told you about me? And then Pontius said, Pilate says this, I'm not a Jew, am I? Pilate replied, your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? My kingdom is not of this world, said Jesus. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. As it is, my kingdom does not have its origin here. Ah, you are a king then, Pilate asked. You say that I am a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this, meaning I was born to die. And I have come into this world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who listens, or everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And then Pilate asked the great immortal question. Well, what is truth? What truth are you talking about? After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no grounds for charging him. See, now here's the thing. Pontius Pilate has asked all the questions. He finds nothing wrong, but he will not choose to set him free because he knows if he does, he will anger the Jews. And if he has another uprising, that will anger Rome. And he can't afford to put his head on a chopping block for something like this. So Pontius Pilate says, I don't find any charges. I don't think nothing wrong with this guy. He didn't do anything. He hasn't hurt anybody. He's not a revolutionary. He says his kingdom is not of this world, so I don't have to worry about him. I don't have to worry about what he's doing. He tells them this to sort of make himself look innocent, to make himself feel better. Of course, he knows it's not going to work, so he has to take this final step. The final step is this. Some people listen to the crowd 
to make their choice. Now, there were people out there gathered, people out there to see what was going to be happening that day. It says that the priests had seated people among them, people who would shout whatever they wanted, who would say whatever they wanted. So when one key person would say something, like, let him go, let him go, they would all answer. Let him go, let him go. But if someone said crucify, they would all answer the same. John 18, 39. You have a custom that I release one prisoner to you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They shouted back, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a revolutionary. If we believe history, he was a murderer of Roman soldiers. He was an instigator of rebellion. He was not a nice person. He was not a good person. He was not a popular person. By all accounts of, of the things I have read, he was hated as much by the common everyday man as by the Romans because he was just a very rough character. Yet they have put it into the hearts of the people that they do not want this Jesus, this innocent man, this healer of the blind, this healer of the lame, this one who has raised the dead to life because they're not far from the home of Lazarus. They know what he's done. But they have put their people out there to shout so that everybody will join in. Jumping on the bandwagon is something that's very popular these days. We see in the news that a story gets started and then everybody jumps on the story and everybody wants to believe it. But that's not how the world should work. We should make our choices based on what we know to be true. That's why Jesus spent so much time telling them, I am going to go to Jerusalem. I am going to be abused. I am going to be killed. I am going to come back for you. See, now that's the secret. I will never leave you or forsake you. In this age of the COVID-19 virus, he will not leave us or forsake us. You see, we can make any one of these choices that we want. We can be people who make rash choices, choices that are fueled by fear, choices that are fueled by what's happening in the media, um, choices that are made by what's happening to people around us. Or we can make the daring choice to stand up, to be like John and to walk into that possible lion's den and say, you know what? There's no reason to fear. God is with us. We are going to be okay. Let's do what we have to do to be safe. That's why we're not meeting in church this week, because we're doing what we have to do to respect our government officials, but also to safeguard our people. You can make the uh, fearful choice. People who say, you know, I don't, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to Bible study uh, because I, I, I know that if I go there, something bad is going to happen to me. Well, that's why we have this podcast. This podcast exists so that you are not left behind as we approach Easter, as we move to our end of the book of John studies, and we are, are going to wrap it all up. Also, you can pass the buck. You can say, you know what? I'm not going to make a decision uh, based on this, but I'm going to go on what somebody else says. I'm going to go on what other people tell me. I'm going to let somebody else make the decision on Jesus. See, they're close cousins to the last people, those who listen to the crowd to make their choice. If, if your favorite professor says evolution is the way to go, that's the way you go. And don't be like the other people too, that, the ones that ask the questions, but they don't choose for themselves. Pontius Pilate knew that Jesus was innocent. He knew it, but he would not save him because it wasn't a popular choice. He refused to make that choice. There's a lot of people out there right now who are wondering, should they get straight with God? And the answer is yes. After 9-11, after the towers fell, 
people rushed back to church because they realized they had not been taking care of their spiritual duties. But within a few weeks, all the people who rushed in, rushed out, and quickly forgot all the promises they made to God. There are lots of people sitting at home today, people who are afraid, people who are scared. They're scared for the economy. They're scared for their jobs. They're scared for the workplaces. They're scared about their children and their, their, their aging parents and grandparents. We don't have to be afraid. God has got this. We don't, we don't be crazy. We don't just rush outside and, and pretend it doesn't happen. We do what we're supposed to do. Wash our hands. Don't touch our face. And just be safe. But God has this, everybody. God's got this. These six choices that people made about Jesus, you have to answer for yourself. What choice are you going to make? You're going to jump on the Jesus bandwagon today and jump off tomorrow? Are you going to get in there and stay faithful and study and, and know the word? A lot of you have got time now. Time to go back and review everything Jesus had said coming up to this point, coming up to chapter 18, because he was preparing them for what was about to happen. Don't pass the buck. Don't look to me. Don't look to somebody else to answer all the questions for you. Ask the questions of the Bible. Make your own choice. Don't listen to the secular crowd or what's on the news, because sometimes they blow things up for their own good. You know, we're all going to come through this. Are we going to be able to meet for Easter? I don't know. Will we be together again in two weeks or four weeks? I don't know. But until we are together again, this podcast will keep going and will keep going and will keep going as long as God gives me breath. Be safe, my friends. I love you. Take care of yourself. And we'll see you as soon as God allows. Bye-bye.